Hello everybody, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music. Be that rock, punk, metal or even extreme metal. Coming up this week's show, no news because there is literally nothing happening in the world. Um, apart from one new song, which is exciting, so we'll be talking about that. Our reviews then come from Swallow the Sun and While She Sleeps. And the open mic for this week is something near and dear to my cold dead heart. It is Fake History by Let Live. Yeah, like I said, there's no fucking news. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I've missed something. The only of note things is, apart from the actual bit of new music that I found, um, Skillet has said they're going to bring out a new song, but now I thought about it and realised I don't care a huge deal about Skillet, and they're a band that... They're odd. I, they've got such a following, but I've never met a Skillet fan. Apart from people who like um, Hero and Monster. Outside of that, I'm, they, I must imagine they must be fucking huge in the States. Do let us know. Um, and Stained have said they are going to come back and record a new album. I don't know who that's for. It's not for me, but either way. So yeah, that is the sum total of today's news. Um... What is interesting is, A, I can feel a sneeze coming on, so that it might be get interesting a little bit later. But B, Falling in Reverse have another new song, and we like Falling in Reverse because they're fucking batshit. Uh, the song is called Drugs, and it features Corey Taylor, also Cece from Black Veil Brides, which has led many people, including myself, to potentially speculate that Cece is the new drummer for Falling in Reverse. Which... You know, it's kind of... Oh, also what I'm trying to think of. I've already... Fucking two minutes in, I can't think of words. It's a bit deflating for CC because... As much shit as Black Veil Brides get... Each of them are actually really good musicians. Like, if you take away certain parts from certain songs, they do sound fucking insane. And... Um, a lot of... Obviously, a lot of media goes towards Andy... But their guitarist, who I will look up because he is worth a mention. He's one of those ones where, in the moment, you can never think of his name. But when it's least important, he's right there on your brainstem. But it's... Was it Ashley Parody? Oh, Jinx, wasn't it? Oh, Jinx was the ring. So yeah, Jinx and Jake Pitts. Sorry, guys. They are really good, good musicians. Um, the riffs on Set the World on Fire... Are fucking insane, but because they are like associated and connected with Andy and Blackbird Rise in general, they sort of get overlooked. And CC is another one with another one of those musicians where, like, if he is, if it's just like the one-off, then like, you know, fair fucks ignore everything I've ever got to say. But if he is a new falling in reverse drummer, I'd like to think that they would announce it. I know it's always going to be the Ronnie Radke show, but you know, fair game is fair game. As for the song itself, it is glorious, overdramatic, auto-tuned rap rock post-hardcore. And that's exactly how I've described it on here. Um, it is just lunacy. It really is. Everything is all auto-tuned, yet he's still, he's still rapping. The music video itself is really glitchy and hurts my eyes. Um, Corey Taylor is still trying to get the fedora over in the music video. He's been trying for so long. <coughs> there it is. Excuse me. He's been trying for so long, but it's just... I don't know about you, but it's just not doing it, is it? It's just not... Yeah, it's just... No. There is a... 
It briefly breaks into, just on the on the breakdown, sorry, it breaks into a cover of Dope, which is not a band I thought I'd be referencing in 2019. And I, it is nice they are sticking with this more ridiculous vibe for this song. It's more reminiscent of the first three albums. So that was... Uh, Drug is me and, yeah, Drug in me is you, Fashion me late, and just like you. They were all very superstitious. A lot of things going on. Ronnie Radke being the centre of attention and being complete lunatic as he should be. And then when it came to coming home, it felt more like he was kind of pandering because it was very normal and very ordinary and very unmemorable. I can't. I don't recognise anything from coming home anymore, but. By the looks of it, there's no details of a new album yet, but looking at their release history, they do average every two years. It seems so fucking long ago since Coming Home came out. Holy shit, they realise it was two years. But hopefully we'll have something new in the future. Like I said, Coming Home felt very safe for a man who wrote the lyric ready to cut you up and gut you like a fucking avocado. So I like the idea that he's going to be a bit mental again, so... That was the only bit of news I could find that's actually of worth note. Sorry, Skillet and Stain found out that. I'm sure you're very upset, but it's my show. I can do what I like. The first album we're going to look at for this week is When a Shadow is Forced into the Light by Swallow the Sun. It is the seventh album from the Finnish Death Doom monolith. So if they're Finnish, guaranteed we're going to ruin some names, so I apologize in advance. It is their first album with new guitarist Yuho Raiha. I'd warned you. And keyboardist Yanni Piehu. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a fucking hugely, hugely powerful album. And I know that's a really like blase, cliche thing to say, but I'll talk into I'll go in a little bit of detail in a minute. Well, a little bit later, why like what is spurred on the emotion from this album but just in general death and doom is quite like a dark dreary genre anyways um and similarly se like separately death metal and doom metal aren't usually my forte and they fall in the same realm as black metal and post-rock in that when it's really well produced like um like latter day cat decapitation and napalm death i'm all for it and i fucking love it but when it's that OG, very raw kind of sound that even still a lot of like the big guys still do now. So your cannibal corpses, your obituaries, that kind of thing. It's not for me personally. Um, I need to dip my toes more into that era or like that style of death metal to say I've got an objective opinion on it. And similarly for Doom, I'm always waiting for the like something to happen because it's so drawn out and stretched out like post music. I'm just I linger a lot, and that's my short attention span so that it's again it's all on me but this combined way where it's very dramatic and very epic sounding and i hate using that word because it reminds me of 2008 it has worked really really well for this album uh the title track is this big bombastic bombastic gloomy affair that has a like really fantastic folk music spine to it along this section of like along with section sorry of acoustic guitars and that kind of thing the joe the drums from you so oh, fuck Rat i hope they as what he's doing like what feels like or what sounds like a normal drum beat or like 
timekeeping thing on the hi-hats and crash symbols. But unlike um, the toms, it's this three-beat beat, I guess, and that gives the song like this Celtic war song kind of feel. And when you combine this with uh, Mito Kotomaki's shrieks and Piehu's like big, huge, swelling-sounding synths, that's really hard to say. It's a lot of S's. Um, it creates this like really massive, dramatic start to the album. And in the split between, like, so this is a, like a death doom album. In between the death metal and the doom metal, it does stray further into doom metal territory. It is very melodic and it focuses more on atmosphere and just overall mood as opposed to like all out aggression or brutality there's no major point on this album what feels like it's overtly aggressive or overly brutal you got songs like uh the crimson crown and never left they're almost symphonic rock songs compared to the rest of the album with like a lot of folk in there as well and you've got songs like Clouds on Your Side and Here on the Black Earth that have that slow yet ultimately dramatic and satisfying climate that's more in tune with post-metal. And I think I talked about it with the Swarm of the Sun album where it's that really slow exponential build and then right at the very end it just swells and there's this big like, wall of sound, Devon Townsend production style climax and that's what I really really like. Um, what I like about this album a lot is there are a lot of recognizable vocal hooks. And you look at like punk rock or even like pop, well, especially pop music, you've always got those like little lyrics that get stuck in your head and you can sing to yourself and whatever. Which isn't really common for extreme metal of any kind. Um, like, ones I've written down here, you've got Inside the Fire's Burning Light from Firelight and I Want You to Bury Me, Bury Me from Upon the Water. They are still, like, extreme metal-style lyrics, but you can pick them out from everything because of his vocal style. And they do get, like, jammed up in your head and you do remember them for, like, the rest of the day. And I thought that was just super interesting from a style of music that's so away from like commercial and mainstream popularity it's still memorable in that sense it's hard to put into words but with that comparison to pop music and how that gets geared up in your head and how it gets stuck in your head and that's like the rise of a pop song or a pop artist this does the same thing and i think you can easily hold this album alongside like art it's like ghost in regards to making commercially viable and commercially accessible doom metal. Um, those catchy vocal hooks, the layering between Kotomaki and Piehu, the swelling instrumentations, whilst all still being this hugely emotional and gloom-ridden piece of music. Like Stone Wings is this, oh, it's such a beautiful song that has these swelling builds, really interesting musicianship, and the harsh and clean battle I guess or like the bouncing between the two and the layering between the two vocalists uh, everything I really like from this kind from I was going to say this kind of music but I'm not really very versed in this music from what I've heard of 
doom metal and this like swelling style of music these sort of things where it is it is a, it can feel aggressive or there is a certain like negative mood to it it still feels really energetic and really powerful in researching this album and like i said before there is a story behind it although and i think i said this before the style of music this is is um gloomy death doom it usually is quite a negative sounding thing anyways the story behind this album is it was written in direct response to the passing of yuha raivio who's also the band leader from what i've read online um, his partner, Aaliyah Stanbridge, unfortunately passed away just prior, or just after their previous album. And so yeah, this is being written in response to that, so that emotion and that dread that you feel throughout the album, unfortunately it is 100% genuine. And as a side note, I do hope that this album has provided an outlet for like peaceful radio, and I hope it's like, helped them I guess process it it's hard to like really support that kind of thing isn't it but i hope it has helped but the way it's all like the way the music's all pieced together it when you come out the other side you feel like i read this online in another review and i felt I, well i agreed with it quite a lot it feels like you do come out the other side feeling content i guess and like quite pumped up because you've gone through all that you've gone through the entire process well it feels like you've gone through the entire process with ravio and you come out the other side and you're you are you do feel rejuvenated that if you were to listen to it again you would go through all the waves of emotions again but you'd still come out the other side still feeling again rejuvenated and refreshed and ready to go again and again and again so it has been that an odd style of album where it is hugely dark and despairing, but the other side, there is a light in a weird camp kind of way. And like I said, I really hope this has helped Ravio get, like, I don't even know what the right term is. You can't say get over it. You can't say move on because you just don't from this sort of thing, do you? So I just hope it's helped them in some way or form. Um, for the fans off part, I've compared this to Junius, which is a post-metal band that I really enjoy. I think one of the first post-metal albums I ever listened to. Um, Woods of E Press, which is a like dark, depressive doom metal band that, or doom metal project, I should say, from a few years back. Did dabble with death metal to begin with and just went more and more into this like doom metal kind of thing. And Catatonia, like a dark, depressive rock band even of themselves again moved on from the gothic doom sort of thing to a more well a more commercial doom metal and dark rock kind of thing so catatonia would to be prayers Junius, go for them go for newest album from swallow the sun and it is called when a shadow is forced into the light um yeah, fucking really really fun album that i in a maybe fun was not the right word it was an enjoyable time, probably still not right. Oh well. Um, on to the next album for this week. It is So What, which is so fucking emo. Uh, it is by UK's burgeoning Diamonds, While She Sleeps. It's album number four for the gents. 
and of course they are from Sheffield and they play a really fun way of metalcore. I, having said all that about them being our diamonds and being the coolest thing ever, I was initially worried about this While She Sleeps album. Um, you Are We was the biggest change to While She Sleeps sound, in my opinion. It was a more refined, excuse me, it was a more refined metalcore sound and was, it moved away from the metallic hardcore kind of sound that had been the North Stands for Nothing and This Is The Six. Um, brainwashed, kind of teetered, and I always put that down to just before Brainwashed came out, the lead vocalist Loz had to have throat surgery, so it was kind of like trying to find the feet with that sound. Um, New OA came out, and it's kind of reminded me more of like a more modern metalcore kind of thing that was more in tune with uh, Bring Me the Horizon during Semper Eternal, albeit with less. And even like the, um, there is a hell, but just with less electronics and more. Looking back now, probably a bit more buried tomorrow. And so for me, a part of me was worried they were going to go that full, almost like a full bullet for my Valentine route, where they were um, condensing and condensing and condensing their sound to what would be a super edgy yet ultimately completely devoid of substance style hard rock which is what Bullet do now. And along with that, a friend and I um, listened to bits of So What in our office at work, and we were a bit underwhelmed. It didn't strike us as immediately as albums in the past, and for whatever reason, it just it just didn't click with us. And sometimes albums just don't. Um... But in the end, as it turns out, we were complete fucking numpties because this album is fucking great. Uh, they've really expanded uh, their sound on this release and it incorporates new metal and little bits of hip hop here and there. They use samples throughout the album, but most notably in Inspire and Guilty Party. The drum fills in Antisocial are... God, they are the stuff of dreams. It's... Really, really basic as well. And just somehow, usually we talk about tone for guitars. We talk about pitch for vocals. Whatever effect or tone they're using, um, Adam Savage is using on the drums for those little fills. Fucking beautiful. I love it. I love it so much. Um, and then in the end, you've got the, on the penultimate track, Back of My Mind, you've got this really cool rap to, well, like a rap outro to see the song off. And overall, that song, Back of My Mind, is fucking brilliant. Loz's vocals have come a long, long way since um, the surgery and just... In, well, even since um, URW. When Brainwash came out, I did notice that it had taken some of the edge off, which is understandable considering he was quite a guttural, shouty vocalist for uh, you, uh, This Is The Six. But he's completely steered into this new vocal style and it sounds like he's got even more control over his voice this time around. And he can keep up with Matt Welsh for those trade-offs throughout the album. And honestly, first like three or four times listening to this, I had such a hassle trying to like figure out what was Lars and what was Matt to the point where I had visions of 
it was just Matt getting plastered and screaming himself at a mirror and someone was just there with a microphone. The riff from the title track is one of the coolest things I've potentially ever heard, or at least can think of right now. And whilst writing up the notes, I've seen people compare it to a dubstep riff, I guess. Is it still a riff when it's electronic? Um, it's a high register screech, and they've managed to, despite all that, they've managed to make quite an accessible sound. And I'd easily say this is their easiest record. Um, but despite all that, the riffs are still there. The way Matt and Sean play with each other is so underrated. And I'm waiting for that moment where people start realizing just how good they are as a collective. Like, although, like, Matt officially is the rhythm guitarist, he can still hold quite a technical beat whilst Sean goes fucking spanners like he is on So What the Song. But as far as, like, the album goes, just overall sound, they are exploring as much as they can with metalcore and then going beyond that and experimenting all the more. And I think, because they've done it before, they did it with uh, URWE, a little bit less so a brainwash, but so this is the absolute best so far that they've done it. Comparatively, like in terms of metalcore bands trying to expand that standard metalcore sound, you've got either like a Parkway Drive sort of thing, Bullet for My Valentine, or Bring the Horizon. And for me personally, I don't see them going full pop like Bring Me. They're not shit, so they won't sound like Bullet. So I think out of the three, I think they'll go more towards Parkway, uh, where the next album will be a, a culmination of their independent sound. Uh, I just think Sleeps would are better, so I think it will sound better than Reverence, but that's just my opinion. It, you could argue that this is their Reverence album, because on Aya Parkway, we're playing around with little bit of sounds here and there. Like Vice Group was quite a melodic heavy metal sound compared to everything else they'd done previously. And you could argue that point for You Are We, but I feel like, and I've read it as well, the album that comes after So What, although this, like, they've had that, they've hit the three album mark previously, so that's like the bar of which to set them. I think album five will be the point where. They are already like highly revered in the alternative music world. I think the next album will be where mainstream people will go in on While She Sleeps and they will be, they will just explode. That is my opinion. Do I think this is While She Sleeps' best album? I really, really, really hold this is a sits close because it's a style of music that I really, really enjoy. So... At the moment, I think I'll have to let it sit for a little bit longer, but it'd be hard for me to choose between So What and This Is The Six. But at the moment, admittedly, I haven't gone in too much on Brainwash. It's an album that I do have to go back to in proper. But from what I've heard from that and from You Are We, I would say So What is in the top two so far. Uh, I just think it's brilliant. If it, for the fans off part, for nowadays, it is closer to... The Bury Tomorrow, Parkway Drive, and even Miss May I kind of metalcore as opposed to back in the day where they were a more metallic hardcore kind of thing. But it's still brilliant and they are still Britain's 
God Save the Queen kind of band in a very they hate everything the same way we do kind of way. It is so what? It is by While She Sleeps. Do go out and find it because it is fucking brilliant. And speaking of brilliant, today, this week has been a lovely mix of albums and styles and also the fact that everything's been really, really good, including Open Mic Night, which, oh my fucking God, it is the second album from the LA RT post-hardcore band Let Live. It is fake history. It came out in 2010 and... I spent a good half an hour trying to figure out how to start this review to the point where in my notes I've got two completely different ways that I've started it because how do you start talking about a band like Let Live? I initially went for like a more personal angle and said that because Let Live are a personal band to me with when The Black is Beautiful came out it's kind of set the benchmark for good music in my opinion. Like an album can be good but if it's up there, if it even sounds like a tenth as good as Black is Beautiful, then it's great. And Black is Beautiful sort of set the benchmark for what for what I should listen to in the future. And then If I'm the Devil, which I actually prefer, not many people do, but I fucking adore that album. I think that's the one that it's up there with Great Britain about how much I love um, If I'm the Devil. And a part of that is, it's cliche to say, but it was a soundtrack to the summer album from when I left uni. So there is that emotional attachment to that album as well. And then I thought about, well, maybe we should talk about the reverence of Let Live of the time. Like in 2010, when this album came out, it felt like, even I remember being quite bored of this twee post-hardcore wave of bands that exploded out of America. Like, for people who had been into that music for ages, they would pass the days of, like, glassed jaw and refused and at the drive-in. And instead, we were in a world of Sleeping With Sirens, Pierce the Veil, and Hawthorne Heights and other ludicrously named bands. And then I thought... Because, like, part of me, like, should I just introduce them? But in the back of my head, I was, like, I was really stubborn because I shouldn't have to introduce Let Live. I have to for a lot of people. Like, there's a lot of people I talk to I have no idea who they are. But I, they are such a good entity. And I'm fully aware that it's very much like they get labelled as Jason Butler's band. But I'll talk about in a bit the various musicians that go as well as part of Let Live. But you talk to someone whose favourite artist is Dua Lipa or Justin Bieber, or Camilla, or something like that. About 99 times out of 100, if you say to a band like Metallica, or Iron Maiden, though they might not like them, although they may never listen to them, they know exactly who they are. And they, odds are, tell you, um, Enter Sandman, or One, or Nothing Else Matters. They can usually tell you at least one song from Metallica. And I feel as good as Let Live are, they should be on that line. They should be cased. If you talk to anyone, if you talk to someone who's into hip hop, you talk to someone who's into like electronic or pop or whatever. If you say Let Live, they should say, oh yeah, I know that band. It should be a recognisable name. And in a cruel, cruel world, they're just not. And it's unfair. This world isn't fair. Death is the only salvation. But here we are 
And I'll admit, like before, the reason why I chose Fake History for Open Mic is because it's an album that I haven't gone back to yet, despite like everything I've heard. I always thought this surge of greatness or the start of the peak that became Let Live, that started on Black is Beautiful because that was when I was more aware of music journalism and just music in general. And that was the first time I ever heard Let Live was when they were talking about like the opening song Banshee and really falling in love with Empty Elvis. I thought it all started on Black is Beautiful. Um, but I'm in podcasts that I listen to and online, various sources. The legend of Let Live began here on Fake History. And so I felt like this like with me labeling Let Live as one of my favorite bands of all time, I need to go back and find out where it all started. And holy fucking shit have I been misguided because this album is insanely good. As good as Black as Beautiful is, and as good as If I'm the Devil, they, they, everyone is right. It started with fake history. Um, the opening war cry through Le Prologue. Fuck, I've said that. So Britannic, haven't I? Um, it gears you up for what ends up becoming the frenetic explosion of the 666.8 billion. And it showcases Jason Allen Butler as one of the greatest frontmen, not of this generation, but of all time you've got like you've got post hardcore vocalists from this time and since that can bounce between harsh and close vocal harsh and clean vocal sorry um until they're blue in the face but about 8% of the time they either sound like you've trodden on a cat or someone with a cold is puffing helium it's very nasally it's very squeaking it's just shit but butler can shout that guttural dennis uh lichin from if you fuse that kind of scream before seamlessly going into this really powerful almost Prince tribute act style clean break and it's just it's incredible that we are like people keep still oh, fucking hell, people are sleeping on a vocalist, vocalist like this and um, one of my favorite songs from the album is a song called Casino Columbus and the chorus to it is probably the closest you'll get to the similar kind of post-hardcore of the time, or that very samey kind of post-hardcore from the time. And yet with Butler's delivery and the musicianship of Ryan, John, Jeff and Anthony throughout the rest of the song, it doesn't feel tacky and it doesn't feel ordinary. It feels familiar yet still really, really sodding good. Um, of all of... Let Live's three core albums. This is by far the most guitar-centric, which I feel is an aspect of guitar of Let Live Sound that does get hugely overlooked because of how good Jason is as a vocalist. Um, Jean Nascimento, again, hope I got that right, and Jess Ayun, they are bouncing rift after riff off each other with this beautifully crisp tone and just an overall technicality that really makes the music interesting and keeps you um like drawn in and hooked throughout and like jump out hooks um jump out riffs for me ha occur in renegades 86 h ledger and we are the pros of con musically what sets this and let live in general apart from other post hardcore bands is their blending of so many different styles 
and experiments into this one core, like arty, hardcore sound. And jazz is the easy one. Um, fuck, Jason Mal- um, Jason Butler's father, Alan. He is you know, he's a jazz musician, so that inspiration is an easy one that comes from there. And it, you you hear it in the guitar playing anyway. The way it's quite mad but still in time which is a very jazz kind of thing to do and just all of the song homeless jazz is enough to say this is a very jazz influenced album um for mother there is a huge post-rock spine that goes throughout which is where excuse me uh bassist ryan j johnson and drummer anthony rivera can they do more leading the sound then you've got little bits here and there where they do show off how good they are but when they for post rock, and I think I might have said this before, when post rock music plays, the rhythm section is where you get the most enjoyment because they're the ones that got to carry the rest of the song. And for like outside of that, you've got this massive samba party on Lemon Party, which for I think it's a bonus track on the re-release. Yeah, I think so. The fact that a bonus track is one of the best songs on the album. Like, what does it say about an album where even the bonus tracks, which quite often are songs that didn't fit the mould or just weren't as good as whatever, they're still fucking brilliant and they're still, like, worthwhile mentioning separately from the rest of uh, the album. And it staggers me that not like i said before not as many people talk about let live as a whole like even with um if i'm the devil that was a very like looking back now it was a very um mainstream version of their sound which isn't a like in the in the way it is i know i keep uh, i have very different views on what is considered commercial good and commercial bad you could still tell it is Let Live, which is, what I think, the, the, the main difference. So when I was... Um, I always keep going back to it. When Shining did Animal, if you played any of those songs from the album, it would take you a while, if at all, to get to the point where, like, that is Shining. That is that Norwegian band that used to play with saxophones. If you played anything from For Mine the Devil, you could still say that is Let Live. And for me... It should be... I keep ricocheting my knee up. Fucking bench. For me, Let List should be the gateway band through If I'm the Devil. When people go back and they go through Black is Beautiful and they get to fake history, it should be the standard bearer of uh, post-hardcore music because it's the same way with everything else and most other genres. You've got the core interpretations of the genre and then when people start adding all these weird and wonderful genres to it like i was saying before well while she sleeps that's when people need to start taking notice and realize that you've got a fucking gem on your hands and following the success of fake history which includes the epitaph re-release that came out a year later let lift would follow up with the black is beautiful in 2013 which is when i started paying attention to the band and songs like uh, Banshee, Empty Elvis, 
Ah, oh, one song I can never fucking remember. I think Virgin Dirt, Twenty Seven Club, uh, The White America, Beautiful Black Market. Like, like I was saying before, that for me is when I started taking. I think it was a point where I started taking music a bit more seriously because it was just so good. There was a new peak for me at the time, and then, like I said, Final Devil came out in two thousand sixteen. I still, uh, it is top five albums of all time for me, and I've already started work on top albums of the decade because 2020 is coming up and we're leaving the tens behind. We need to start making lists because I fucking love lists. That's going to be a huge talking point for me when I come around to it. Um, and yeah, that came out in 2016, and then less than a year later, probably one of the saddest bits of news I had ever heard. Uh, February 2017, the, I believe it's February, the band announced that they were going to split after 15 years. And the statement read, there will be no further activity for the foreseeable future. So not even a glimpse of this is just a break. Um, we'll be coming back in a diff- after recharging our batteries, whatever. It was, this is dead. Because the world is cruel, as I said before. The world is unfair. And... I don't think I've quite recovered yet because I still bang on about Let Live all the fucking time. And I want, like, this whole reason, one of the things I want to do with this podcast is a similar sort of thing to what I was saying before about introducing them. I want more people to look at alternative music because people still have really narrow minds about how alternative music is when you've got i'm not saying it's for everyone like not at all but if people can listen to a band like let live and say that you know what this is like this is really good there's like this part that i like there's that part I like there's that bit, this part that i don't like when people see that it's not just like the very stereotypical upside down crosses setting fire the churches and that kind of crap i feel like I won't say I, that's a job well done because there's people doing it a lot better than I am, but I just want to get rid of that bad stigma about like alternative bands and the band like Let Live will do that because there's ev- there's something in there for everyone and as I keep saying they are fucking brilliant. Um, so unfortunately now we are in a world without Let Live and although the music. Like, music in general is a lot better now. Not, in like, in spite of Let Live, but just in general. The... Like, what's the word I'm trying to think of? The standard, sorry. And the standard of music is better just in general, I think, nowadays. Like, it seems like every year, or every few months, there is another major band, or another, like, up-and-coming major band that's ready to set the world on fire. Like over the years you've had Creeper, Conjurer, Black Peaks, um Palm Reader had like a rejuvenation of their career. And Yeah, just in general, I know they're all British. I was trying to think of a international one, but I'm apparently being Royal Britannia today. The standard of music is better now in general than it was when fake history came out but i would still love to have a um, 
when bands break up, it's hard to say if you want them back because not everyone can have a comeback like Alice in Chains where they were great before, they went away, they came back and they were still good as fucking nails. Or Faith No More. Like, refused, a very split. I personally liked Electra, but I know people who were diehard fans back in the day weren't keen. And no one wants Let Live to do a Fallout Boy. I would fucking cry forever if Let Live did a Fallout Boy. Following the split of Let Live, though, uh, Butler, he has got two projects on the go. One of them is Pressure Cracks, and not much is known about the band. They've released one EP, and it's made up of various former members of a, I think, a Canada punk band called Scars of Tomorrow. His major project, though, is Fever 333. That is with Eric... No, it's not. Excuse me. It's Stephen Harrison from... Is he the one from Chariot? There we go. Uh, yeah, Stephen Harrison from The Chariot and Night vs. Drummer. Eric, that was it. It wasn't Eric. Eric Improta. Um... They had they released a debut album earlier this year. It was this year, wasn't it? Fucking hell. Yeah, it was. So I read the wrong thing then. Thought it came out last year. I was like, it was now already. Yeah, they released their album uh, earlier this year. It is good. You can tell where there is a Let Live crossover in terms of just the power of the sound. By no means is it a good Let Live yet. But the way, I think what, and I think I've said it in the review what um, Jason is trying to do with that project is a lot different to what he's trying to do or that he's doing it in a different way compared to what he did with Let Live. Um, Ryan J. Johnson from this album, he, he stayed to the very end. He stayed to the end of Let Live and I couldn't find a project that he's worked on since. Similarly to Jean Nascimento, really sorry if I'll fuck that, he was the one of the guitarists in the band. He left in 2015 and they got, they didn't get a permanent replacement, but for touring, I can't remember his name, but I'm pretty sure I read that it was a former Bruno Mars live guitarist that took over from live. And similarly, I can't find a project he's been a part of since leaving Let Live. Uh, Jeff Syoon was the other guitarist. He also stayed to the very, very end. And currently he's playing live, or last seen playing live with Hire the Hero. I'm not sure if he's still there. Um, and he's also done a little bit of production. He produced Failure to Launch by In Your Memory in 2017. And recorded a little bit with a band called... Uh, Stolas. Uh, he recorded a little bit of their album, Allo Maternal, which has got... It says on his Discord page 2018, but the album came out in 2014, so I don't know if he did some kind of re-release with them or what, but that's last I'd heard from him, or heard of him, I should say. Um, Anthony Rivera, the drummer for the band, or drummer for the album, I should say, and band, either or. He stayed with Let Live until 2012. He left just before the release of Black is Beautiful. And most recently, I saw him play with a band called Dangers, they are a LA hardcore punk band. And that's where we are now. I don't ow. I don't see Let Live reforming anytime soon because of what Jason wants to do with Fever 333. 
as I just said, I'm not sure how a let live reunion would go because they are very hit and miss and they're very hard to predict. But in between fake history, black is beautiful, and if I'm the devil, those are. I saw something on Twitter the other day saying like name a better run of three albums than whatever crap they said. And I don't personally, I don't know if you can get much better than those three. I would rank that the level I would rank um, Let Live. And after listening to uh, Fake History Now, I think I would rank it above Orchestra Wolves, Great Britain, Gallows. Which, not many people consider that a great run of three, but considering Gallows are, in fact, my favourite band of all time, I think that's saying something. I think that's impressive. Um, if you're still unsure about fake history, I... It was one of those... It's, it's a weird line, because I feel... I have written down for fans of style bands, but... I can't believe people would have listened to these without listening to Let Live at some point, but I put Glassjaw, The Refused, and The Chariot. If by some weird pseudo-miracle that you've gone in on any of those bands but never gone on Let Live, please go and listen to Let Live. In general, if you like listening to music, just go and look at Let Live. Tell your friends about Let Live, because... They deserve so much more than just being a really cool band that should have been bigger or that reputation of. Um, and that will do it for this week. I feel like it's been a bit of a rush, but I've got housemates impending and I don't want to disrupt the recording anymore in between fucking Skype calls and forgetting and just ricochet my knee every 10 seconds. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening. I will be back next week, hopefully, maybe, probably with more fun delights for you and as ever if you want to get in touch various social medias at desolation pod and yeah i will see you all next week goodbye